Hello and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylogue team. So today we're going to be talking about Suits and the soap opera. Um, Suits, for those of you who don't know, is a TV show, a US TV show, uh, about some lawyers. And basically the premise of the show is that one of the characters uh, is a young uh, kid called Mike, and he has a photographic memory. And he uses this photographic memory to basically take exa- uh, exams for other people and pass their exams with flying colors. And he gets paid for this, so he takes other people's exams. And he is also involved in the sort of selling marijuana and things like that. And he's being chased by drug dealers and he finds refuge by running into a closed series of interviews for a very prestigious law firm in New York. And once he's in there, he boulder dashes his way into getting an interview with sort of the head associate of the firm. And it's kind of a futile enterprise because um, the law firm only hires from people who have graduated from Harvard. And Mike hasn't even been to law school, but he's in there because he's buying time. He's just stalling until the uh, people chasing him leave. But as he's in the interview, he demonstrates his photographic memory and shows just how good he is at quickly retaining and comprehending information just by just a quick glance. And he so impresses the law firm associate that the associate, a guy called Harvey, who never loses a case decides to hire him as his associate. However, he has to get around this problem of the fact that Mike is not from Harvard. So what they decide to do is they commit a little crime, which is they falsify his law credentials, say he's passed the bar, uh, and more or less, not just passed the bar, but passed the bar from Harvard. And now he's working for Harvey in the law firm, uh, and everyone presumes he's like one of the top graduates from Harvard, when in fact, He is essentially um, a drug dealer. Uh, And the show is built around the fact that they keep this thing secret while they have case after case after case. And there's sort of a growing thing in the firm uh, as uh, characters come and go and there's sort of a power politics in the firm. And that's the basic premise of Suits. And as I've seen the first uh, three seasons of it, I haven't watched the fourth. Uh, And Luke, you're... Currently working my way through, just started season two. You just started season two, okay. So uh, so Luke's halfway through, like living in the middle of it, and I've kind of had some time to reflect on it, which is uh, why we decided to talk about this one. Uh, because what's interesting about um, Suits is the distinction of why it's a soap opera and why that isn't a good thing. Um, the Suits is lacking in quality, unfortunately. It's, I mean, it's nice enough, right? Yeah, it's what it's it's holding uh, holding my attention uh, yeah. episode to episode. It's it's fine. It's nice. The characters are great, but you, you get the impression as you watch it. I get the impression as I watch it. It's not going to eventually blow me away like something like Breaking Bad or right Sopranos or something like that. And no, I mean, it's nicely acted as well. It's, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah nothing, the guys are great. There's nothing really wrong with it, but you, you say there's this sense of just like this isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Like nothing's going to come of this. And yet they're constantly teasing you that something is coming, right? And um, what what the problem is, is so soap operas are typically referred to as just um, shows that are all on the personal level of life. 
Uh, they're just about friends, families, and lovers. But when we have a story about families, we call that a domestic drama. When we have uh, stories about friends, we call that the buddy story. When we have stories about lovers, we call that the love story. So what makes it a soap opera? What turns these genres into what we would call the soap opera? And for my money, what that is, is there's sort of a, a drastic reduction in quality in the way the series is structured. Because soap operas uh, are sort of uh, habitual. They're like almost like a, an addiction. Like you know, there's like a there's like a habit forming. I'm aspect. addicted to neighbors. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> neighbors. Home and away. Like we, people will call so- the Sopranos, for example, a soap opera, um, but we don't really refer to it as a soap opera in the same way we, we would talk about Neighbors, Home and Away, The Bold and the Beautiful, and so on. Right. And the big difference is these soap operas cannot end. There cannot be any sort of climax to them they have to just keep going on and on and on there's a conscious decision to not resolve anything um and i don't know if that's because they want to if that they think well that's because life just goes on um but even if they they never want the show to end because they want to keep making the show they yeah they want financial security and things like that but then people come and leave these shows all the time uh, I mean, they, the show. I mean, I, the show does become I, sometimes like they could be like an an institution where like writers cut their teeth on the show, and then it's a stepping stone to do another show. But I don't think like EastEnders and uh, uh, Coronation Street and so on that there's a certain pedigree that comes from the fact that hey, you're writing for the show in the same way like in the world of comics. If you're writing Batman, you know you've you're, you've got to Batman, but no one kind of really. People, when they're writing these things, they they want to leave their mark on it. They want to the show. They want the show to be different from when they were, you know. Now, the the fact that they've been on the show has somehow changed the show, but that can never ever happen. It's just not allowed to. It has to just keep going as it is. Um, and if I, I mean, I, you could. I mean, maybe that's just being cynical. This idea that it's just like a financial thing. I don't know. If you're being charitable. I think if I was as nice as I could be, it would be because that's how they think life is, that life just goes on. But of course, life cycles. It keeps changing. There's a dynamic change in life, even though it just goes on. Yeah, something happens, but and then life continues after that, but it's not necessarily the same. So how is Suits a soap opera? Right. Well, in a soap opera, what happens is you have this thing where a sh- the, you have all these plot lines and all these different characters and in order to generate um, scenes and a running time and yet not have anything happen you have to have exposition and so you have a very big cast and information travels from one side of the cast all the way to the other and by the time it reaches the other side it's been so diluted that knowing this thing is less important. You it doesn't like, really matter. <laughs> you mean it's like a, a gossip show, basically? It's a yeah. That's actually brilliant. It's a, we should call them gossip shows. That's exactly what they are. They're gossip shows. So there's just this incredible amount of gossip, and nothing changes. And when something is about to finally change, a Deus Ex Machina comes in and ends that storyline. 
But because there's no meaning and the audience is emotionally invested, um, they look for something else to attach their emotions onto. And there's so many plot lines going on, the writers just bring another one to prominence. You get hooked on that plot line and you don't notice they didn't solve the previous one. And that is the structure of Suits. Um, it's the structure of like every soap opera. You put on East Enders, you put on uh, Coronation Street or whatever, Neighbors, Home and Away. They have these plot lines like someone's got amnesia and someone's pregnant and someone's got this disease or whatever. And just as they're about to finish it, even if it means killing off a character, they bring in another story element. They end that one very quickly. They just die. They just, the baby goes or whatever. I have a question. Is it reference to EastEnders and these plot lines never ending? Is this why the Christmas episodes of uh, shows like this, like EastEnders, for example, mm. feel bigger because they do actually resolve big issues? They, yeah, you're probably right. Like, the, yeah, they have these big moments where they go, okay, we'll just, we'll actually solve something in this thing now. Yeah. And give it a moment. Like, they have a resolution scene. Yeah. In these ones, right? They have like a proper thing where everyone's sitting there all singing carols and so forth and they're all huddled around the fireplace or whatever Christmas imagery they want. And there's this sense of, okay, we've resolved this thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, even some... But sometimes like the event is really trivial like having a good Christmas party. But well, the, the one uh, sure. just gone, uh, yeah. I believe, was who killed uh, in Beale's... I want to say daughter. I'm not a watcher of the show, but I catch yeah. headlines. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was something like that. So it was a big, it was yeah. a big deal. It was a big reveal. Yeah. Who was it? Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder. I doubt there's much has come of it. But you know, like it, the character might just leave the show, but then everything else will carry on. There's probably other storylines. There would be some resolution to it, though. You're right. They they do save those things every now and again. It's never just always the exact same thing, but. By and large, with the exception of like a Christmas special here yeah. and there, it's like that. And in Suits, they have this thing where they promise something's going to happen. In this case, that Mike is going to be found out. That Mike and Harvey's uh, little conspiracy that Mike is actually a drug dealer. He's not passed the bar. He They've committed a fraud on the US bar. They keep going, this is going to pay off. Something big is happening, and in comes another character, Deus Ex Machina. That stops, and now that plotline carries it through. So, for example, in season, uh, what was the climax of season one? So, season one, um, the the final episode is when Harvey has to. It's Harvey's plot. He has to go and uh, get somebody out of prison that he he discovers he wrongly put there. Yeah, and it, it's a wonderful um, uh, kind of case of the week to finish a season yeah because there's a real emotion attached to it yeah um but in terms of the the crime um jessica the um i can't remember what her job title is but partner. she partner thank you mm. uh she um she finds out mm. about mike so you get a sense in season one obviously there's this crime right, yeah. and you think okay mm. you know because there's this crime somebody has to find out and the trouble we're having now getting into season two the reason I get a sense that it's never going to fully be resolved is because how much higher up can they go than Jessica she's the person that was in control of the firm yes and she found out surely that's as high as you go and that's the big right. reveal Mike's found out properly yeah. but they quickly get rid of that with like you say this deus ex of the 
the old banished partner suddenly yes. coming back and that who we call Gale because who we call Gale. He, he played Gale in Breaking Bad <laughs> which <laughs> we can't remember his name in the show I think it's the same universe I think <laughs> Gale's death was faked. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, so you think this is a sequel? I it's presumed a sequel. it was a prequel. This is, this is Gale and Witness Protection. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that's how that works. I, I, I always play that game, right, of trying try to mesh all the shows together. <laughs> uh, this is where, this is where the, the partner of the firm went for five years, banished for five years, yes. went cooked meth for guts. <laughs> oh, that makes a lot more sense, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, that makes a lot more sense. Then, yeah, so Jesse never killed him. Ah. Jesse never killed him. Wow. It was all a big root. Jesse's the real Heisenberg. Jesse's the real Heisenberg. <laughs> you just got Heisenberg. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> That, that would have been a bad catchphrase. Yeah. Or the best catchphrase. <laughs> Not sure which. Like, every episode, you just got Heisenberg credits. Uh, but, um, so, Gale shows up, and Gale's arrival on the show basically is a deus ex machina to Jessica finding out. Yeah, Jessica's terrified, and so cuts a deal, basically, with Harvey, where... Yeah. Because they both have the common interest of getting rid of this, of, of Gale. Yeah. Um she agrees not to take the mic thing any further. Right. And when Gail comes in, the second season is this big power struggle between Gail and Jessica and who's going to have control of the firm. And that, in turn, suggests if Gail wins and takes over the firm, uh, Jessica's out. She won't have a job. More importantly, Harvey's in trouble and therefore Mike is in trouble. Therefore, the fraud can come out. Blah, blah, blah. So there's this whole thing of like, if he does this, then maybe that'll change other things. Yeah. So it's rather interesting. It's exciting and so forth. Yeah, but, Gail, Gail's arrival certainly has us hooked because yeah, it adds a wonderful it's, dimension. It really does. And what's even more interesting as the second season tra- goes on is uh, Harvey um, decides to basically backstab Jessica in order to have Gail take over the firm. If I'm right, I think that's what he does. Um, Or maybe he backstabs them later. But anyway, the point is this. Gail's thing ends so blandly, I can't remember. It just ends. And, oh no, that's how it happens. They decide Jessica cuts a deal with another law firm in Britain and merges her law firm with the British law firm and ousts Gail. So now what happens is this law firm, Deus Ex Machina, comes in, solves the Gale crisis, and now you have the promise that in the, sec- in the third season, there's now going to be a power struggle between Jessica and the other senior partner in Britain, which right. is what we just had. That then also ends in a Deus Ex Machina, uh, I believe, halfway through season three. And by the end of uh, that storyline... It's back to where it was in season one. It's just gone backwards on itself. Nothing has really changed. Then one of the main characters in the show, Lewis, who is a really, really stringent Harvard guy. Like, he loves Harvard. Also a fantastic character. He's The actor's really good, but yeah. they play him really too comically as the show yes. goes on. He gets I've too got, stupidly funny. That, yeah, it, within yeah. the opening episodes, it was like they were setting him up as... Once he finds out, yes. Mike's done for. Because he's in charge right. of the associates. His job... Exactly. So, yeah, not only is he in charge of the associates, so he takes enormous pride in the associates. He takes enormous pride in Harvard. Like, the person who would be most personally hurt uh, in terms of just an abstract sense yeah. of what Mike has done, that fraud, is Lewis. 
And there is a point where Lewis finally works out that Mike never went to Harvard. And he says, and there's a great line, he says, I will burn the law firm down to expose him. Like Lewis loves the law firm that Jessica and Harvey have. He loves it, but he's willing to destroy it to expose Mike. And the next episode, Mike fobs him off with an excuse. He buys it and it's over. And you're just like, this is not going anywhere. And how does season three end? Season three ends with a sort of uh, internal affairs type of guy for the US bar threatening to expose Harvey. And so it's constantly the same thing. They bring a character in at the end of the season to raise your interest so that you'll watch the next season, but they never actually want to pay it off because they'd have to change the show. And so the show has this sort of treading water, but it's habitual, it hooks you, it makes it very interesting, it really invests you and then cheats you out of an ending constantly and it keeps doing that and that's how soap operas work and um it's not just say personal shows about personal things for example it's not just um uh shows about families or workplaces uh this was a big trend in the early 2000s for mystery sci-fi shows uh lost did this battlestar galactica did this fringe did this all three of these shows <clears throat> had the same thing which was they had this enormous mystery and it became very apparent they never actually worked out the solution to the mystery they never worked out a puzzle and you just got bored with it um because they kept promising the reveal the big reveal, the big reveal, and they'd hint at it, and they'd give you clues to it, and then you realize they're just making this up as they go along. There is no answer to it. They have no interest in revealing the mystery, because if they did, they don't have a show, because they haven't built the show or anything. There's, <clears throat> they're just trying to hook you on it. There's a great, you just reminded me, there's a great video on YouTube, which is tangible evidence of how many questions yeah, yeah. lost the, the unanswered. The 99 unanswered questions yeah. were lost, right? And it's like seven minutes of questions. Yeah. And it's just quick fire like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and, uh, well, the Battlestar Galactica, they had a thing where at the beginning of every episode, they went, the Cylons have a plan. And the Cylons, of course, being the big bad of the show, the villains that are trying to kill humans, they go, they have a plan. They actually released, after the show finished, uh, a DVD called Battlestar Galactica, The Plan, which basically told the whole show, but from the point of view of the Cylons. And in it... They are literally improvising as they go through. They have no plan. They never even claim that they have a plan. And you're just like, why did you claim that there was one if you didn't have one? Just have them try and kill the humans every week. You don't need a plan. Um, Maybe it was a meta-commentary on arrogance (laughs) of humans. Or to assume that somebody, for someone to defeat us, they must have a plan. (laughs) I'm sure that's what they told themselves. (laughs) Uh, And um, Fringe... Uh, Fringe uh, was one that I, I really got sick of because Fringe, the whole premise of Fringe is there's all these sort of X-Files type things going on and the FBI are aware of them and they call them the pattern and they say it's as if someone is experimenting with the city, with the laws of physics within the city. So the idea that all these weird X-Files things that are going on, like people walking through walls or whatever, are the results of someone playing with the laws of physics in the city as an experiment for some nefarious purpose. Who knows what, right? And they call it the pattern. And I thought, that's a really great hook. Unfortunately, as the show goes on, 
it becomes I started noticing that there's a problem here because they resolve it by saying what happened is one of the characters went into a parallel universe and when he did he messed up the membranes uh, between the universes which causes all these wacky things to be happening and the problem I have with that is you would never call that a pattern because by definition it's random events (laughs) and I stopped and went they never even bothered to explain to you why they called it a pattern they never showed you any of the evidence for it. You know, it's because they never. it was never a pattern. They just called it that at the beginning to hook you. And then they have other characters come in, deus ex machina their way. And then before you realize it, they never... This big question they had at the beginning, who's responsible for the pattern? Their answer is, there was no pattern. Which is ridiculous, right? But that's how these things work. They keep throwing in these things. Instead, now you're focusing on whether or not Olivia is going to have a baby. And you focus on whether or not this guy is going to ever get okay with his father. And you've got all these other plot lines that you're paying attention to and you forget the reason you turned in, tuned in in the first place. And so these soap opera type of elements just keep coming in. That's, that's you know, this sort of habitual thing of like, here's a promise of like either a really important storyline or a mystery or something. And then, just as we're about to resolve it, we deus ex machina, but you don't notice, because I'm going to put another thing in the way, and it's the start of a new story, so you're hooked to that story, and you're going to keep going with that story, and you don't ever feel like you can just leave. Shows would be aware they're doing this, though, right? Yeah, I think they must be aware that they they are hooking people. Like, they're constantly thinking, how can we hook somebody? How can we hook somebody? And... uh, yeah, so, you know, they're just, like, constantly trying to work that out. How can you hook somebody onto the show? And, like, it's not it's not just uh, primetime stuff. Like, even uh, Game of Thrones does this. Game of Thrones is constantly promising you a storyline resolution. And just as they get to the resolution, they kill the protagonist in a really gruesome, stupid way. And then you go, okay, whatever. For example, the whole first season of Game of Thrones is built around the fact that there is a conspiracy at the heart of Westeros, which is that the current heir to the throne is the bastard child of incest. And Sean Bean's character is the only one aware of this conspiracy, and he's trying to deal with it in a way that won't cause civil war. And it's all going horribly wrong, and they kill off Sean Bean in the first season, which is ridiculous. It was such a misplay to do that. And in the second season, people talk about the incest as if they've always known, and it doesn't matter at all. And the show treads water for a whole season. It's like it's nothing happened. And so Game of Thrones has this soap opera structure as well, and it's always a failing of long-form design. Um, and there's just this sort of enormous problem where you can't, you haven't bothered to work out where you're going, and you're just trying to hook people constantly and suits does this and it's just a good example because it is quite a nice show it's it's not terrible it's um like harvey the main character it's it's very charming yeah right but you realize it's not it's just not going anywhere and particularly with suits suits at its heart is a crime story and the crime is it's told from the point of view of criminals namely mike and harvey are criminals and their crime is that they have defrauded the U.S. bar. They've committed a crime against uh, the U.S. law uh, bar, whatever it's called. And that crime is what's generating the whole show. Much like in Breaking Bad, Heisenberg's meth empire, or uh, in Dexter, 
his serial killer nature or Hannibal the fact that he's a cannibal and um, uh, what's the what's, what's the other great oh the shield Vic Mackey uh, and the strike team are in, are gangsters and all these guys are trying to conceal their crime and the crime is going to be exposed and you're hooked onto this thing about when it's going to be exposed and the problem with like Dexter and with suits and so on is that as you said with Jessica, once you get to that point, like who's left to reveal it to? And in Suits, they had Lewis, but now you've done that, and what's left? You can't, how are you going to reveal? Like Breaking Bad staggered the re- that exposure throughout the seasons, but you're watching Suits, and it's like, well, maybe Mike will get away with it, maybe he won't, but you've got to expose it. And then the problem deep down is that it's just not interesting enough a crime to generate a show out of. I mean, I remember, I, I still don't understand why they didn't just send him to Harvard. He'd <laughs> pass the bar. He's got a photographic Several memory. Times. Yeah, he's done it already, right? Like, why, why don't you just send him to Harvard and say, you're going to Harvard, I'm going to pay for your law school stuff. And the condition is you sign a contract, I pay for your tuition, and then you come work to me once you're out in two years. Like, three years, whatever, however long it takes to go through law school. What, four years is it? I don't know. Like, what's the problem? There's no problem. And then there's no show. And so the problem, you're sitting there, it's like, well, the secret is the only thing driving the show. You keep teasing it, you're not paying it off. And it's not even that great a secret to begin with. And so it's sort of this, it's this really tepid soap opera feel of just treading water and never going anywhere. And, you know, it's, it's, I think it's one of those things that's worth pointing out as people really want to do more and more long form work because the appetite has changed. Now that we have Netflix and DVD box sets, people can do a thing they never could before, which is actually watch a whole show from start to finish. Uh, people are used to that now. Before, you would just watch whatever show was happened to be on TV, and you might have to you know, record something with your time of VCR. But now you can just tell you know, your computer or whatever it is, record every episode of this thing. Everyone wants to watch the whole thing. When any season of Breaking Bad came out, we would buy it and and we would watch it within two days. Right, yeah. absolute binge. And then season five, the swines, <laughs> the bastards, yeah. release one episode a week. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right. The final season. <laughs> this is you can't do this to us. Yeah. <laughs> you need to give us everything right now. And I I also remember when the the fourth season of The Wire. I was watching that and it was Saturday or Sunday morning rather. It's like four in the morning. I'm sitting there in my underwear eating cheesy Doritos and I just go, I've point the per- I've passed the point of no return. Like, I can't stop now. Let's just finish the season. Like, it's just it's not gonna stop. And um so there's so um the 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 shows like we we're, we're used to, we can ha- we have an appetite now that can be sated for really long form TV, and Suits and other shows like Lost Galactica and so forth, Game of Thrones they all want to satiate that that feeling but they're not willing to actually sit down and consider well I have to still turn story I still have to dynamically change the nature of of the story of what's going on and that means the cast and the nature of the, what's going on has to progress and change. I can't just keep repeating the same conflicts what's, again and again. What's the fix then for Suits? Well, there's two fixes. The first fix is to realize that the only promise you have to pay off is the one you make. 
So you, if you don't want to do a long-form series, if you don't want to put the effort in and generate that, then just do an episodic show like Columbo or Law and Order. These shows are wonderful, and they have nothing of that kind. You can just change whichever... You no, know, you just watch whichever episode you feel like watching, go between them, and they're great fun. And you could... I mean, it could be a lot of fun. I mean, these actors are a lot of fun. They're, they're, they ha- uh, they're really charming. It would be nice to just see them deal with cases every week and just spend all your dramatic energy, all your creativity, on coming up with really interesting cases and working out how to solve them and how mm. these characters would deal with that solution and then not bother with any of that stuff. And then no one will be upset that there's no long-form story because you're not promising anything like that. No one gets upset with Columbo and goes, I really want to know more about you know, his wife. Like, no, we, we don't want to know that, right? Um, and there's nothing... You could totally do that with Suits. And you could do it with anything. You know, sci-fi has all those episodic shows and stuff. The other thing you could do, again, is you could do it so that um, it's seasonal, so that you have, like, a big case for the season, and then the next season is unrelated, but it's a different case. Murder One did this. Do you remember Murder One? Remember oh, when we used to watch yeah. that? Oh, God, yeah. You remember? Anthony we, Le Plaglia. Yeah, that was, yeah, one of the, yeah. that was like in the late 90s. Yeah. No, the season before was Daniel Benzali, and it was right. like a 25-episode case. And I remember we, like, we were in the theatre at the time, yeah. and we were totally hooked on this show. And we couldn't, you couldn't miss an episode. This was before DVD box sets. This was before DVDs. This was before the internet, right? Like, you had, we had to like time a record every episode and make sure we saw it because we yes we couldn't afford to miss the episode and that was like but the first season had daniel benzali as the lawyer it had a case the richard cross case i actually rewatched it not that long ago because it came out on dvd it's really good and it just that case ends and then the second season is another case and it's actually a different lawyer in charge of it Uh, the rest of the cast the same totally different case and it's great something like True Detective True Detective yeah yeah, or Fargo or anything like that Uh, Damages does it Buffy the Vampire Slayer did it like you can do these things where there's sort of a background hum of like little subplots that are continuing over but generally it's a totally different thing every time you don't need that hook of ah they committed a crime and Mm -hmm. you just don't need it if you're not going to go there the that, so that's one solution, which would be just to say, stop promising something you don't want to deliver. Like, don't do it. Like, just don't make that promise if you or, don't want to pay it off. Or, this is the one, uh, this is another one which I quite liked. We both had this sensation, which was at the end of the first season, uh, yeah. Harvey, uh, it, he used to be the DA's. DA's assistant. Assistant, right? The ADA, that's what they call them. Yeah. Uh, right? yeah. I thought he had a, um, an illness or something. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so he used to be working for the district attorney. Now, of course, he works for the other side. He's the defense attorney. And um, the DA turns out at the end of the first season... Yeah, was corrupt. That, yeah, he's corrupt. Like, he put people behind bars that weren't actually guilty, that he was convinced were guilty, but he didn't have the evidence. Yeah. He falsified the evidence. And Harvey was complicit to some extent, right? Yes. He and turned a blind eye to most of it, that, and in one or two cases, I think, knew about it. You get a sense of yeah, what about. Exactly, right? And we both had this sensation, uh, which was, this would be a better show. 
Yeah. Right? Which would be the show where this lawyer, who used to be the ADA, has discovered, now that he's a defense attorney, that there's a bunch of people in prison he put in prison that aren't guilty. Finding out your old boss was corrupt, I thought was a great inciting incident for a whole show. Right. And that, there's a sense that you could bring that in and you don't even like you can just resolve the mic thing really quickly like Harvey just pays for him to go to law school (laughs) and you're done right and I was like I haven't got time to deal with you Mike I have this actual real problem now (laughs) Uh, and that problem like Harvey can't go around telling people the DA's corrupt because he can't get the people like it'll just destroy his career yeah it'll destroy his firm and everything else plus he'll probably go to prison for it but at the same time he wants to get those people out of prison so now you have this thing of he's dredging up old cases to free people that he's put in prison while at the same time he's not doing the cases he's supposed to do in the firm so he's caught between these two things and at the same time you've got this district attorney who is aware he's gunning for him the uh, the show when i thought of that the, the show it reminded me of was my name is l because it would create a finite list <laughs> it would of right people, of that people have been wrong. like who has he wronged yeah. and who is he going to put <laughs> he's going to fix it all but that could be a really great fix halfway through the show you just change the premise of it yeah. to that extent and uh, once and you're it, de- yeah once you're done with the mic thing you yeah you, it doesn't need and, to be and that one you can you can sort of you can work out how you're going to pay that off because at some point uh, it's got to come out what happened and you've got to see what the fallout's going to be so your second season is Harvey trying to keep it secret Uh, and at the end of the second season Harvey is exposed right he just has to be exposed he can't keep it a secret anymore he's like trying to balance those two uh, aspects of the law just don't work he gets exposed and the third season is the fallout of that exposure Mm. like can he actually stay out of prison when he's his own defense attorney right (laughs) like the case is against him and at the same time his defense is a prosecution of his district attorney boss so every bit of evidence he has that can hopefully exonerate him actually makes his boss more complicit and possibly himself more complicit and so you've got this dynamic where he's constant where that will be your third season the trial of harvey specter and then at the end of that if you're still going what could your fourth season be well it depends how harvey gets out of it but what would the fourth season be if harvey's in prison uh you know game of thrones route <laughs> game of thrones route. Harvey- Gru- gruesomely hack harvey up and then <laughs> yeah gruesomely have harvey's head explode have mike come in <laughs> and then mike can sit there and go oh yes maybe one day it's gonna get pretty cold uh <laughs> winter might be coming maybe um dragons 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 where are my dragons um but that that would be a solution to fix the show if you wanted to keep that long form um, sort of crime story going, uh, is to generate a crime. The other thing you could do is you could make the crime between Mike and Harvey get worse. At first, uh, Walt cooks a bit of meth in Breaking Bad with Jesse. Right? It's not that big a deal. He kills Crazy Eight. That is kind of a big deal. <laughs> and then it gets worse and worse to a point where he can't expo- like he can't r- risk exposure. The, the point n- of no return. Exactly. And whereas Harvey, you still get the sense of like, well, the longer he's doing it, the more problematic this has become because he's made the thing. But you're just sitting there going like, just send him to law school. Just send him there. Just have it. Like, why don't you do that? Um, 
And the and the other problem is they didn't set up in the characters why he wants to cheat the system. You see, Walt is given money. He's given loads of opportunities to not cook meth, but his pride takes him over. And oh, he, you mean why Harvey wants to try yeah, to cheat the system? Why not yeah. make it so Harvey is the kind of guy who... Like, what would be the psychological reason, the motivating thing in this character, that would tell him, I absolutely will not go down the route of Harvard? And it's just, there's just no reason for it. He's under-motivated. So the crime is trivial. The characters are under-motivated, and that's the central premise of the show. And they don't want to resolve it, so they keep treading water, which turns it into the soap opera. Which is pretty shallow water. Very shallow water, yeah. It's paddling. It's paddling. <laughs> paddling water is what it is. And you're just kind of like, this is a problem. And so for long-form, people writing long-form, my feeling would be is like, you have options of what kind of long form story you can tell. You don't, it doesn't all have to be like Breaking Bad. It can be episodic seasons or episodic episodes. You don't have to have this thing. And if you are going to have this thing, it has to be properly motivated and it has to be something that you can reveal uh, over time. And uh, if it's not working, the great thing is you can actually, um, you can actually. Uh, fix it in the show Suits had that chance to fix it like the ADA thing would have been a really good solution to the problems the show was facing but they didn't do it so um, okay I think that's that's enough for now uh, on soap opera and and long form design and uh, so thank you very much and uh, we'll do another one soon I'm off to watch some EastEnders (laughs) I am not (laughs) (laughs) okay bye bye